We did an entire series of messages on worship. Do you remember that? We're going to talk a little bit today about how worship affects our destiny. And I, I want to read with you from Romans chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 and 2. And then I want to tell you a little story. And I think you'll see when we're done today why I'm, I just have peace. I have peace, you know. I think that's a good thing to have when you're facing some of the things we're facing at this time. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is message 5 on destiny. Paul said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual what? In, the, in, the, in this version, English Standard Version, is your spiritual what? Worship. There's the word worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. And I like that last word, because that word only exists with him. It's a him word. Perfect. Perfect. For a little synopsis, I wrote, This sermon will help people understand how worship aligns us with God so we can discover our destiny. I'll tell you a little story. Um, I'm, I'm, I hope that you're glad that we can stand up here and preach because there ain't much else in this world I'm real good at. <laughs> I mean, I, um, my brothers are all mechanics. They can fix anything, you know. Nathan can get inside a computer, and he can build a computer. He can fix a computer. If it's broken, it can't be fixed. He can tell you that can't be fixed, right? <clears throat> when I was a kid, I got this... Um, Plymouth Duster had a slant six engine in it. If you know anything about engines, it should be easy to change the spark plugs in a slant six engine, a straight slant six, right? What I learned the hard way is that you pull a spark plug wire, take out the old spark plug, put in the new spark plug, and then stick the wire back on. Not me. I just lifted the hood and said, oh, there's all the spark plugs, and I yanked all the spark plug wires out. Then I took out all six of the spark plugs. I put the first spark plug in, and I looked at all those wires, and I said, well, which wire goes back in first? <laughs> you know? So how many of you know that if you gamble and you're trying to figure out where six wires go, you're not going to get many of them right, right? Now, I will tell you this. I moved those wires around so many times that I got the engine to start, but it sounded very, very sick, right? So I called my brother, Mark. I said, Mark, I messed up my, it'd be Mark Jr.'s dad, Mark Wilson. I said, I can't get my car to run. He said, what'd you do? I said, I tried to change the spark plugs. He said, you pulled all the wires off at one time, didn't you? I said, yeah, yeah, I did, you know. He said, well, I'll come right over. And so he comes over. And he pulls the wires off, and he looks, and he adjusts, and he starts sticking wires in. He said, start it up. Amazingly, it ran smooth. Somebody that knew what they were doing, right? But I didn't connect the right wire with the right spark plug. Things were out of line. Things were out of sync, and the engine wasn't going to run smooth. It gets worse. I was running late one day. I had a destination. That's a mini destiny. Having a destination is a mini destiny, right? Does that make sense? I go into the garage, and the garage door will not open. I hit the button, you know. I do all kinds of things, and I can't 
get the garage door open. So uh, now my little mini destination is messed up. My mini destiny is messed up. I'm not going to get where I want to go. And I call a um, garage door repairman. Two hours later, he shows up. I don't even know I'm not where I want to be. Right? First, he comes in and says, okay, if ever your garage door will not open again, take this lever, yank on it, pull it down, and open the garage door yourself. <laughs> okay, now, those of you who know about garage doors already knew that, right? <clears throat> I didn't know that. I didn't know it, right? Well, it gets worse. He walks over, and right down there was a little black plastic box, and he looked over at this little plastic box over there, and he tweaked that thing a little. Little red light on that side, lined up with the little red light on that side. Garage door open, garage door closes. Right? And he says, you got to have those little red lights lined up. They're called electric eyes. And if you line them up, your garage door works. Someone bumped one of them, and it was a little off. So, I so desperately wanted to say this when he said, that'll be 50 bucks. Right? I wanted to say, three minutes? You were here three minutes, Right? <laughs> 50 bucks, but I didn't say a word. I reached in my pocket, pulled out the 50 bucks, paid the man, and guess what? I know how to tweak that garage door now, right? <laughs> I know how. And I don't even bother getting under the hood of a car. There's no fixing that for me, you know? I just pay somebody who knows what they're doing, right? But I know how to adjust my garage door now, right? Now, why am I saying that? There, there's a point to this. You know, I wanted to react according to my feelings, but God was kind to me, and he restrained me, <laughs> right? I took the $50 out of my pocket, I handed it to him, smiled, and said, thank you. What was wrong? In the car, the spark plugs weren't lined up right with the correct spark. Or it just wasn't going to run, right? In the garage, it was just out of alignment, just a hair. The electric guys didn't line up, so the garage door wasn't going to work. We don't have to be too all, far off from the will of God for the engine not to run right and for the garage door not to open and close correctly. Oh, you can open and close the garage door yourself, but isn't it more work? Isn't it easier to do it God's way? Amen? Well, what are one of the things that happens here? You know, I think that when we finished our series on worship the first time, what I failed you on was to tell you it's not just, and I may have mentioned this, but I need so desperately to reiterate this today. It's not just for the 30 minutes or so, or 20 minutes or so it is that we get up here and we sing songs to God. We worship God supposedly every day, all day long. Everything that we say and do, our heart, our mind, our consciousness stayed on Him. Amen. I talk to him about everything. I mean everything, every thought that goes through my head. If I, if I think a thought that's unpleasing un to God, and I know it, I go straight to him. We talk about that thought. My first mentor I ever had was a guy named Dale Zink, a pastor of our church who brought me on as an intern. He told me one day, he said, son, I'm watching you because you are a young man. How many of you know that was a good thing? He was letting me know, I know who you are, young man. He said, listen to me very carefully, and all of us need to pay attention to this. It's okay for the bird of temptation to fly through your mind, but do not let him stop and build a nest. Don't let the bird of temptation stop in your mind and build a nest. 
Because once they build a nest, you're going to need to be delivered. Amen? So we need to pay a very, very close attention to that. And why is this important? I've spent the last three weeks leading up to today, the last few weeks leading up to today on this message to tell you this. You don't find the destiny that God has for you by accident. You find it on purpose and by design. Pursue God because he is pursuing you. And I don't care how small the detail is in your life. I don't care how small the detail is. They're all important. The big things, the little things, all of those things in your life that God uses to steer us, right? And one of the best places, and matter of fact, maybe just about the only place that we hear keenly from him is when we're truly worshiping him whether it's in song, whether it's with our words, whether it's with our actions or our deeds. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Worship God with every fiber of your being. I don't know about you, but all of us can't sing. I'm, I'm, you know, I struggle with it. I can't hear if you can't hear. You can't stay on key. It's difficult. It's a challenge. And the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't mean you should never sing to God just because you can't hold a tune in a bucket. No, you should sing to God. Amen? Sing to God. Reach out to God. Amen? Line yourself up with Him. Get those electric eyes on the garage door lined up facing each other properly, and the door will open and close as it was designed to do. Right? All right, watch this with me. First point. Just something we've already said. First point is you receive your destiny through worshiping God. And, and this is not going to be a great big long sermon because we've covered... Six messages on worship, but it's important to be reminded from time to time. Amen? You'll receive your personal destiny as you connect with God through worship. How many of you know that when you're reaching out to God, it's to connect with Him? It's to, you know, for Him to hear from you and you to hear from Him. It's a two-way communication. Amen? Destiny always starts with the place of God in our lives in the form of worship. If we want to find our destinies, God must occupy the central place in ours. He's got to be first and foremost. You know, that's one of the things I get overjoyed about, about getting older. The world means less to me. The older I get, the world means less to me. I like that. I like that. And he means more to me. He means everything to me. And I find that though, you know, I, I'm not a, I, Julia, thank you for leading worship. And, 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 and she's good at that. Amen. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julia. But when, when I'm playing, especially when I'm just me and God, I just love to play to God. Then it doesn't matter how many mistakes I make. Amen? I just play into God, right? Destiny always starts with the place of God in our lives. If we want to find our destinies, God must occupy the central place. Listen to this, though. Where does he need to occupy the central place in our lives? It's in our hearts. Amen? In our minds. In our motivations. And our deeds, our actions. Think about that. What, what's your heart? Your heart, your spirit. Amen? Your minds, what is that? It's your soul. It's your intellect, right? Your motivations. That's why we do what we do. Isn't that important? And the last one is in our very deeds. It's in our actions. So in our hearts, our minds, our motivations, and actions, we want God to occupy those central places. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Verse 5, 
It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Then we go to Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. While they were what? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. That doesn't sound like something that's happened in one of our worship services recently, right? But it should be happening. Amen? It's in the Bible, right? I did read that from the Bible, right? You're with me, right? Okay. Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Where? On a missions trip. The Lord spoke to the apostles and set Paul and Barnabas apart for his purpose while the apostles were doing what? Worshiping the Lord. Amen? God often gives Christians guidance as they practice spiritual disciplines, including worship, fasting, and prayer. Worship, fasting, and prayer. Worship is positioning yourself in alignment with God so you can hear from him. Does it get any simpler than that? Just lining up the two electric eyes so the garage door will open and close without you waving $50 in, your air, in the air over your head and giving it away. When you worship God, you acknowledge who he is, what he has done, and what you trust him to do in the future. Should I read that again? Can I read that again? When you worship God, you acknowledge who he is, what he has done, and what you trust him to do in the future. Is there anything else? Did I leave anything out? That's pretty, pretty inclusive, isn't it? When you abide in God's presence each day, what will he do? Somebody help me. If you abide in his presence each day, what will he do? Now, I'm telling you, this is very elementary. Somebody help me with this. If you abide in the presence of God, what might he do in your life? What'd you say? Speak. You nailed it, sister. Sometimes I have to say, well, some answers are better than other answers. No, that, that was the answer. If we ab abide in his presence, what should God do for us? What will he do for us? He will speak. He will drop nuggets into your, into your spirit. He will give guidance. He will give direction. He will talk to you. It may not be an audible voice. As a matter of fact, I'll stand here and tell you probably isn't an audible voice. More so than not with me and others I spoke to, let me, let me tell you, this is not a joke. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Have you ever been sitting there, and you didn't know something one second, but the next second you did, and you realize, wait a minute, I'm not smart enough to think like that. I'm serious. All jokes aside, I mean, it brings a smile to my face, but it's true. Things will be dropped into me by the Holy Spirit that I'm nowhere near intellectually, you know, endowed in, in enough to come up with on my own. I'm not that smart. So I say to myself, I say to God, thank you, Father, because I know you just gave that to me. And is it any different that if I hear his audible voice uh, or whether he just drops it in me and I recognize it? There is no difference. There's no difference. Amen? It wasn't there, and then God put it there. 
he speaks. It should be the result of our relationship and our worship, our lining up with him. The Lord wants to give you guidance, but you must remain in a position to hear from him. And don't be mixing the sin of this world with that. Don't do it. It interferes with your receptors. It gets those little electric eyes out of alignment. Amen. Number two, point number two. You'll hear God's direction when you worship. When your inner ear is in tune with God, you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding you. Is that any different than what we've already said? It's just a different way of saying it. Then we will be able to understand God's perfect will and see his will being worked out in our lives. To get back into alignment with God, we must begin living in submission to God. When I say begin living in submission to God, that means consistently living in submission to God. Not being in it, uh, then we're out of it. In, no, no, then we're out of it. No. With this submission to God, it's not a roller coaster ride. Amen? It's a consistent ride with God. Amen? Third point the Holy Spirit plays a central role in your worship and your destiny. Uh, I'm just, I wrote this name down, and I didn't say anything else. I, I love to think about the life of David. I knew of him when he was out of the will of God, and I knew of him when he was in the will of God, and I saw the difference. David's one of those characters that you can't read the Bible, that you can't, you catch what's going on in his life, you know. Much of the Psalms that he wrote, many of the Psalms he wrote, he wrote, they were either Psalms of repentance or they were psalms of worship, and there was little in between, or little in any different than those two things. He was either repentant, and he knew, if there was a man who knew how to repent before God in the Old Testament even. Matter of fact, this is the thing that I love David about the most. He knew how to receive the grace of God when he wasn't living in the age of grace. We're living in the age of grace, and we don't know much as much as David did about living in grace. Amen? All you got to do is read the Psalms and you see it plainly, clearly, right? The Holy Spirit helps you understand God's word and its application for your life so you can see God moving in your life. How many of us realize that there have been times when God has been moving in our life and we didn't even know it? But it didn't have to be that way. It's the grace of God. It's a wonderful thing, but it didn't have to be that way. How many of you believe we just get to, we need to get to know him better? We just need to get to know him better. We need to be able to recognize those times when God's dropping nuggets of truth in our life. Look at John chapter 14, verse 26. How's this going to help us? John chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, all that I have said to you. How many of you believe that God speaks to people today, even with a Bible not sitting right in front of them? That's what the Holy Spirit does, you know? I always like to go to the Word afterwards and compare what I have in my spirit with the Word of God because I can generally find that truth backed up in the written page. It's a very good thing to do, Amen. As the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we'll begin to worship God and position ourselves in close proximity to him. As you worship God, the Spirit will help you to trust 
God's sovereign control over your life. The Holy Spirit will direct you in a way you should go by using your gifts, even your talents, even your passions, and even your experiences. How many of you are willing to say here today, not all of my experiences have been good ones? Not all of them have been good, but not a single one that I have turned over to God has he ever failed to turn the tables on the devil. If I will only commit and submit it to God himself. It's like that, that deal. Well, really, can God, can God even think about pulling a camel through the eye of a needle without roughing him up or killing him? <laughs> you know what? My God can do anything he wants to do including pulling a big fat pregnant camel through the eye of a needle i I, i'll throw it out there god can do anything amen anything right the holy spirit will direct us in the way we should go by using our gifts talents passions and even experiences when we abide in his presence when we abides in his presence he does what sister he speaks. She knows it. When we abide in his presence, he speaks. You know what I've learned? I've had people tell me, I'm too messed up to go there. I'm too messed up to, to go speak to God. Well, you know, that's the devil's got you hoaxed up because that's where you need to go <laughs> because you're messed up. The only one that can fix you, the only one that can take the broken pieces and put them all back together and heal and mend and take care of us. Amen? You need to go there, you need to stay there, and you need to let God fix you. Amen? I wrote some quotes down here. If you say, I never hear God say anything, God wants to show you the next steps towards your destiny, but he will speak when you're in a place to hear him speak. If you say, I never hear God say anything, anybody ever said that before? I remember thinking one day in my youth, I don't, ever, I don't hear the voice of God. I don't hear the voice of God. If you say, I never hear, the, hear God say anything, God wants to show you the next steps towards your destiny, but he will speak when you're in a place to hear him speak. Next one. You must remove yourself from the static of this world order. Don't be buried in the static of this world. You know what? Watching TV and all that kind of stuff just doesn't mean the same thing to me anymore. Am I standing up here bragging? No, I'm just telling you, it doesn't mean that much to me anymore. Do I have a television? Yes. Do I watch television? Yeah, but I I'm not addicted. I'm not. I'm not. I say that humbly before God because God drew me away from that. You know, there was a time in my life if there was an NFL football game on, I had the hives until I found out who was winning. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Not anymore. It's just the NFL just doesn't mean that to me anymore just a game in this world, no less. I have noticed that God has placed strategically in the NFL a number of Christians that aren't afraid to stand up in front of a microphone and preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm excited about that. I'm very excited about that. But I, I, there was one that stood up before a reporter, a group of reporters there, and said, this game's not everything. This game's not the do-all to end all. And this is a quarterback in the NFL. He said, it's all about Jesus. It's not about this game. That's secondary to anything God wants. And it may not even be, he went on to say, where it fits 
in the list, right? Well, I, I just got all excited. I was screaming, preach it, brother. All right. You can't have clarity from heaven if you're listening to the voices on earth. If you're buried in the voices on earth, you can't hear from heaven. I like that one. We need to frame that one. Mm. Many people don't understand or are confused about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. His job is not only to teach the word, it's to lead us in its application in our lives. It's not only to teach us the word, it's to show us how that word applies to us and the good effect it can have in our lives. Don't just go to church. Go to worship. Amen? Stay close to him. Keep ministering to him. He knows exactly where he's taking you. You know, in my prayer time today, you know, I want to pray for my father. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for all of us here. Um, and one of the things I want you to be praying about is soon I will pack a bag and go. I don't know exactly when. I don't know. But I'll send out the word to everybody, and I'll ask you to pray for my family. And, um, you know, I just know this, that my father has a weak heart, and the organs of his body, you know, one by one, they, they go through problems and they fail and so forth and so on. But when he gets to heaven, none of that matters anymore. None of it matters. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been praying for all of us since we started getting in this series and we find out, you know, what the Word of God says about our Christianity. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's important stuff, right? So I've been praying for my father, you know, and God's been reminding me of some things that my father has been in his hand, you know. And um, I'm not worried about where my father goes when he dies. And he'll be sick no more. He'll enter that place where no clock ticks. I'll be with him soon. I had a man tell me one time, he said, he was a cop and he wanted to tell me about the dream he had. He said, I dreamed that I died and I was in heaven and I was shown around heaven. I was received and I was shown around heaven. And he said, I was wanting to wait for my wife. And I'd only been there what seemed like a few minutes. He said, I sat on a bench and I waited for her to arrive and then she appeared. He said, I'd only been in heaven for minutes. But she said, I can't believe you've only been waiting for me for minutes because I've been on earth for many years waiting myself to be with you. And I believe that dream was given by God and I believe it was to teach us that once we leave this realm, Clocks don't matter anymore. That's why when I tell you as your pastor, with whatever you're facing, God knows the end of the matter. He already knows the end of it. And in the eyes of God, it's done. All that he is doing for you in his heart and mind, it's done. He's gotten you through it already. Because the clocks don't matter anymore. He's never been bound by time. Never. It helps me when I think about that to worship him. He's never failed me. And because there's no clocks where he is, he never will. He's already successfully met every need in my life that I will ever face. Every heartbreak that I'll ever go through. 
Why shouldn't I worship him? Is he not worthy of it? Praise God. Stand with me. Is there any of us here today that doesn't need prayer? We all need prayer. Amen? I mean, if you don't need prayer, you're a different kind of person than I know. We're in flesh. We're living lives. We're living. We're breathing. We need God's hand of blessing. Amen? We need God's